0: Alright, notice what it says in verse 22 of Matthew chapter 6. It says, "...the light of the body is the eye. If therefore thine eye be single, thy whole body shall be full of light. But if thine eye be evil, thy whole body shall be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in thee be darkness, how great is that darkness." So, notice those two verses there. On the surface, they can be a little confusing. You know What's that talking about? The light of the body is the eye... Uh, it is kind of a confusing verse, but let me tell you what I I personally think this verse means. And then I'll, I'll we'll look at the verses before and after that I think kind of back this up a little bit. But our eye, okay, our our eye is what causes light to serve its purpose for the rest of our body. All right, how many of you because there was no light, you know, you got bruises somewhere else in your body because you know you stubbed your toe on something, you stepped on something, tripped over something, you know, and in, in some place of your body got hurt. Now, what part of your body does the light help? It actually only helps your eye, doesn't it? Cuz if your eye doesn't work, light doesn't do you any good, does it? Okay? If a blind person's walking around in the dark, or the light doesn't really matter, does it? That light does nothing for them if they're not able to see. And our light is what bring or our eye is what brings light to the rest of our body. And so, if our light, okay? If if what is supposed to bring light to our body is bringing darkness then we have a real problem don't we okay how great is that darkness the very part of you that's supposed to be bringing light into your body so you can you know have the benefits of being in the light if it's doing the opposite because you have an evil eye something is seriously wrong with that and notice what it, let's look at the verses before and after just to kind of show you I think the spiritual application that Jesus is trying to make here because he says in verse 20 or verse 19 lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth where moth and rust doth corrupt and where thieves break through and steal but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt and where thieves do not break through nor steal for where your treasure is there will your heart be also so often as Christians we often get uh, we get torn between the things of the world and the things of God don't we there's off and the truth is we always are going to pick one over the other whether we want to admit it or not and that's why after verses 22 and 23 it says now it says no man can serve two masters for either you will hate the one and love the other or else he will hold the one despise the other ye cannot serve God and Mammon so I think what Jesus is trying to show us here is you know we need to have a single mind or a single eye and when it comes to the, our eye, when it comes to our focus in life, it ought to be on the things of God versus the things of the world. And if our eye is single, then our whole body it's going to be full of light. If we're focused on the right things, if we have the right attitude, if we have the right perspective, we're going to tend to be more positive people. But what if we take our eye? What if our eye, it's not working right because we have an evil eye and everything we're seeing, we're making it negative. Everything we see, it's, we're turning into the bad thing. Now we've got a real problem, don't we? And think about it this way too. As Christians, the Bible teaches us that we are a light to the world. Okay, We're, we're the light to the world. Now what if us as Christians who are supposed to be being a light, what if we're doing the opposite and we're spreading darkness because we just have a bad attitude because we're just miserable people, the very people that are supposed to be bringing light to the world, meaning you know, we're supposed to be spreading the Gospel, we're supposed to be revealing truth, we're supposed to be setting the example of good, we're supposed to be doing all these things. What if we're just doing the opposite? What if we're keeping our light under a bushel? And the thing is, the world, whether they want to admit it or not, they're dependent on our light. They need our light. But we're hiding it under a bushel through being silent when it comes to spreading the message of the Gospel, or we are living a life that is contrary to one that a Christian should be living. We're not acting like Christ. We're not doing things like Christ would. And if all of a sudden the very people who are supposed to be the ones giving light were giving off darkness instead, we've got a real problem, don't we? And the truth is, there are people today who call themselves Christians. You know, they might even be Christians. I'm not here today to figure out whether these people are saved or not. But people who call themselves Christians, people who go to church... Who they do the opposite of just like your eye is supposed to bring light to help the rest of your body. They, you know, we as Christians, we're supposed to be the ones bringing light to the rest of the world. For some reason, we've got this evil eye, we've got an evil heart, and we're doing the opposite, spreading darkness. And if we who are supposed to be the light to the world are spreading darkness, how great is that darkness? And we've got to make sure we get these things under control that we get our that we get our heart right. We're supposed to be people who are happy. We're supposed to be positive people, but Christians are often some of the most miserable people. And what I like to call people like this too, and what the title of my message is, black hole Christians. Okay, now I'm not real smart. I don't know a lot about science. I don't understand black holes, all right? But I know black holes are supposed to like suck in all the light and light. Like, you know, I don't know how that works, but I know it's supposed to be dark and it supposed to get rid of light, okay Don't ask me to explain that to you after church. I've only heard about him and uh, I, I, I've been told only geniuses completely understand them. All right? I'll take their word for it. Okay? But I will say this, I understand black hole Christians, people who somehow know how to take that which is good and that which is positive and just suck it all out of the room. I mean, they could literally come to church, a place where we're supposed to be getting around the things of God, we're supposed to be happy, we're supposed to be edifying one another, and they come and they just suck all the fun out of the room. They suck all the joy out of the room. I mean, everything that's supposed to be good about church, somehow they just do. Their presence just consumes it all. And we've all known these people like that. You've all got them in your family, that one nut job you hope doesn't show up to the family reunion. Why? Because they ruin everybody's fun. You know, and every church has them. I hope so and so is sick today. right? because, you know, they're always, you know, just quenching the spirit in the service. And we would never say that, uh, but we've all thought it before. And the truth is, if we're not careful, somebody might think that about us. And we cannot be that way. We don't want to be a black hole Christian. So what is a black hole Christian? Well, you know, it's someone who just can't let others enjoy good things in life. Look what it says in John chapter 12. Now I'm not going to give any examples of anybody that's ever been in church here. I'll, I'll give all examples of people you don't know, all right? Because I, not, I've known I've known I've known a lot of these people over the year who just can't let other people enjoy nice things in life. Okay? Did you know that it's not a sin to you know go to an expensive restaurant, to own a nice vehicle, to I mean just just have something nice? Did you know that's not a sin? You know, if somebody has a nicer house than you, it doesn't, it doesn't mean they've compromised. Okay, Sometimes it just means they have a nicer house than you. And some people, they just can't stand that. And they're always just going and something that's causing other people joy, they find a way you know, to take that away from them. And look what it says in John chapter 12. I think we see an example of this. It says, Then Jesus, six days before the Passover, came to Bethany, where Lazarus, which uh, had been dead, whom he raised from the dead, there they made him a supper, and Martha served Lazarus. <coughs> Martha served, but Lazarus was one of them that sat at the table with them. And Mary took a pound of ointment of spikenard, very costly, and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the odor of the ointment. Okay, now let's stop and talk about this here for a second. Notice, you know, this was we're going to see it was a very expensive ointment that was used on Jesus to anoint his feet. Now I don't know. I've never used any expensive ointment on my feet, but you know I've used you know lotion and things like that before, or athletes' foot spray when I'm having problems there, and it feels really good. All right, I don't know uh, you know tea tree oil. All right, another magical cure for uh, an athletes' foot. All right, feels pretty good. I don't know what the stuff was that she was using, but it was obviously something very expensive. All right, I think the athletes' foot spray I've used probably most of it. The, I used to get the expensive stuff work better, and I think it cost less than ten bucks. Okay, so it wasn't even as good as what was being used on Jesus's feet right here. But let's think about this for a minute. Notice how it mentioned that Lazarus is there, and Mary, his sister, is there, and this is after Lazarus has been raised from dead. Now, considering that Jesus raised her brother that she lived with from the dead, do you think it was probably okay for her just to go out on a limb? and use something really expensive on Jesus? I mean, just the fact that he was Jesus, that he's worthy of everything, is good enough reason to do it. But I mean, here's a man who raised her brother from the dead, and she wants to use some expensive ointment on him. You know what? Let her do it. You'll Let her do it. But here you have a black hole Christian that comes along. Judas, by the way. Surprise, surprise. And it says, "...then saith one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, which should betray him." Let me tell you something about the black hole Christians. They're always going to be the ones to betray us in the church. They're always going to be the ones to turn around and leave and backbite and talk about how horrible everybody was in the church. These people are always Judases. It says, why was not this ointment sold for 300 pence and given to the poor? This he said, not that he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief and had the bag and bare what was put therein. Notice him doing his virtue signaling here. Alright, you know, here he is, man, you know, if I had something like that, I would sell it and I would give the money to the poor. And you know, the truth is, this woman, she's just doing what she can for Jesus. She wanted to do something good for Him, but here he goes thinking, I would have done something better with that. And it's like that too. And I've, I've been to church with these people, you'll go and you'll have some kind of fun church activity. Hey, let's go have a picnic. Let's go fishing. Let's go shooting guns. You know, let's go doing something that's just fun. And then there's always that one person that'll, that shows up. And they want to talk about how, well, I wonder how many souls we would have won to Christ if we would went soul winning instead. You know, shut up! And it's not even that you care; they care about souls. It's they want to show everyone how spiritual they are. Did you know we're allowed to have fun sometimes? If we want to come together as a church And just go to a restaurant and stuff our faces. Hey, we're going to have an activity day. We're all going to go to Pizza Ranch and see who can eat the most, all right? We might be doing gluttony or something there, but sometimes it's just about the fun. Sometimes it's just about the fellowship. It's just about getting together and having a good time and edifying one another when we live in a wicked world that's full of misery where it's hard to find good friends. If we as a church want to do some things like that, we ought to be able to do that without Mr. or Sister Spiritual coming along and saying we should be out soul winning. We did that at my dad's church one time. They had a gym night. They rented out a gymnasium. We're going to play basketball and volleyball. We had one guy came there asking him, why aren't we having a devotional? It's like, you know, we have preaching every Sunday and every Wednesday. Why can't we just have some fun tonight? It's a Saturday night. And you know what that guy did? He went and sat in the bleachers and he read his Bible the whole time. I mean, I'm sorry. That's... That's not a sign that you're spiritual. You know what you are? You're a black hole sucking the fun out of the room. I mean, it's all you do is sit and read the Bible. It's amazing how some people can take something like Bible reading and use it to make everybody miserable. Okay, It's bad people that do stuff like that. And he was a bad guy. He ended up getting saved not long after that. I'm not kidding. He got saved after that. And then made it his mission To convince everybody else in the church that they weren't saved either. I mean this guy was all messed up. He was he he was so miserable and he made everyone else miserable too. Black hole Christian. Let you know, people are allowed to do things that are fun. It's not wrong. People if, if they have the money, if they if they could afford it, if they want to go and some woman wants to go out and you know, spend a bunch of money to get a pedicure or something like that, that's fine. You know, don't talk about how many starving kids in Africa they could have fed you know, with what she did, just spending it on her feet. Okay? If people are allowed to do these things, and the ones who come along doing their stupid virtue signaling, talking about how I would have done it this way, talking about how spiritual they are, they're, ba- they're always bad people. And they suck the fun out of the room. We're not supposed to be like that as Christians. We are allowed to enjoy some things. There's a lot of things that God put in this earth that are very pleasurable. There is a lot of wonderful food that is on this earth that tastes quite good. And if we just want to go every once in a while, and if somebody wants to spend some time just mixing all these wonderful things together in the perfect way to just make something that is extremely tasty and then just have a time eating it, there's nothing wrong with enjoying God's creation. There's nothing wrong with people going out and enjoying nature and going on a hike and going on a picnic and going fishing and going hunting and all these wonderful things that we have. There's nothing wrong with that. And there's always, yes, there's always spiritual things we can do, but the truth is, I mean, none of us can just go soul winning all the time. And yet, that's all some people want to do. That's all some people want to talk about. And it's amazing how these people who would never do anything except go soul winning are often some of the most miserable people and don't have any friends. You know, it's amazing how you win, you know, all these people to Christ, yet you can't win one person, even you, to even be your friend. Why? Because they're miserable people. And the truth is, a lot of these good things they do, they're like the Pharisees we'll look at some verse on this in a little bit, they do it to be seen of men. This is their way. It's their way of putting on a front. It's their way of making everybody think there's something really good. Like Judas Iscariot, they're trying to make everyone think there's something. It's a disguise. It's an act. It's not the real thing. And I guarantee you, during those three years that Judas traveled with Jesus, there were probably plenty of sightings of him doing good things. But he was always. It's clear he was always doing it for the wrong reason. He was putting on a show. He was the one that carried the bag. He was doing it for the money. And then, as soon as things went south, he turned on Jesus so fast it wasn't even funny. He got his thirty pieces of silver and ran. And then he regretted. You know, he ended up regretting it later, and then just killing himself. He was just. He was just a horrible person. And that's how these people are. Judas's seeming concern for the poor. It was. It was nothing more. Than virtue signaling just that practice of you know expressing opinions that you know are it's supposed to demonstrate how wonderful you are and that's what it is you know this is what i would do this is our way of making a speech about how wonderful we are i i think you know instead of spending money on new doors for the bathroom we, you know we just hang up a curtain that you know that provides privacy just as good and use that extra money and go buy Bibles and give them to poor people in China. We're allowed to have nice doors in the church building, alright? Hey, in the temple in the Old Testament, that place was covered with gold, alright? So, you know, you know if, we, if we could just deal with not you know sitting in a warm building, we wouldn't have to spend as much money on electricity and air conditioners and then we could send more money over to starving people. You know, in Africa, you know, just stop it. It is not a sin to enjoy these things. And even Jesus, he let Mary take a very expensive bottle of ointment and pour it on his feet, and even let her—I mean, wipe it off with her hair. I don't fully understand the significance of that. I don't know if that was just kind of a way to honor him, or maybe maybe she was so, so poor she didn't have a towel; she just used her hair, and he still let her do that. Why? Because she wanted to. That was what she wanted to do. She wanted to give him that offering. He was the Lord. He was worthy of it. And yeah, he was Jesus. He was somebody who was poor. He didn't have a lot of things. But yet, when somebody wanted to offer him something that was very nice, something that was extravagant, he accepted it. And rebuked Judas for you know, him and his stupid virtue signaling. Jesus saw right through Judas. From day one. He always knew he was he had a devil. Look what it says in the Second Samuel nineteen. Another thing that these black hole Christians do, they're someone who always has to be a victim and use their victimhood to steal the joy of others. Look what it says in 2 Samuel chapter 19. Now, you know, any of us are capable of doing some of this stuff if we just get self centered, okay? Because you know, David, this is David here that's doing this. Now David was a good man, but David he had some bad times. He had some very backslidden times. In his life, he messed up big time. I think David was wrong in this story, and it says, and it was told Joab, Behold, the king weepeth and mourneth for Absalom. This is after Absalom, who is, I mean, leading a rebellion against David. People are dying because of what Absalom's doing, and David, he goes and he tells his soldiers, I want you to stop Absalom, but don't kill him, don't hurt him. That's not really a fair thing to say. Hey, this guy that's trying to kill you, you're not allowed to kill him back. You know, you're, you're not allowed to hurt him. Well, that's going to make it very difficult when doing battle with this guy. And you all know the story how he ended up getting killed at uh, David's weeping for him. And look what it says, "...and the victory that day was turned into mourning. And all the people, for the people heard say that day how the king was grieved for his son, and the people got them by stealth that day into the city." And people being ashamed steal away when they flee into battle. These people who were celebrating, who were having a good time, all of a sudden they're finding out, oh wait, we're supposed to be sad because the king's son died and now they're all embarrassed. Now they're all trying to act like they weren't at the party having a good time. You know, Now they all have to go into mourning and pretend they've been sad the whole time when the truth is they should have been rejoicing. But David, all he can do is think about himself. He's upset that he's lost another son. And I could see him being sad about this. But understand, he was only thinking about himself. And look what it says in verse 4, "...but the king covered his face, and the king cried with a loud voice, O my son Absalom! O Absalom, my son, my son! And Joab came into the house of the king and said, Thou hast shamed this day the faces of all thy servants, which this day have saved thy life, and the lives of thy sons, and of thy daughters, and the lives of thy wives, and the lives of thy concubines." and that thou lovest thine enemies and hatest thy friends. For thou hast declared this day that thou regardest neither princes nor servants. For this day I perceive that if Absalom had lived and all we had died this day, then it would please thee well. Now therefore, arise, go forth and speak comfortably unto thy servants. For I swear by the Lord, if thou go not forth there, there will not tarry one with thee this night. And that will be worse unto thee than all the evil that befell thee from thy youth until now. Then the king arose and sat in the gate, and they told unto all the people, saying, Behold the king to sit in the gate. And all the people came before the king, for Israel had fled every man to his tent. And all the people were at stride throughout all the tribes of Israel, saying, The king saved us out of the hand of our enemies, and he delivered us out of the hand of the Philistines, and now he has fled out of the land for Absalom. So the thing is, there's there's mixed messages going on. People are confused about what's going on. They didn't know, did they win? Did we lose? Is David here with us? Or is David still hiding? I mean, what's going on? And the truth is, David, he's not thinking about what's going on with everybody else. He's just thinking, I lost my son. And Joab's telling him, you're hurting the kingdom by doing this. You can't do this. You're going to—you're doing more damage. But David just couldn't get over the fact that he was having a bad day. And it should have been a day of joy in all of Israel, but David wouldn't let it be because of his loss. And you say, how are Christians often like this? Well, I've known people like this before, where you know you can be having prayer requests and praise time during service. You'll have one person, they'll raise their hand, "I want to praise the Lord. Uh, he helped us get a new vehicle. Got a new vehicle, nicest vehicle we've ever owned. We thank the Lord for it." You know, and then you got a black hole Christian that's sitting in there, you know. I need you to pray for me. My car broke down. I can't afford a nice vehicle. You know, I'm just praying the Lord will provide. You know, I'm praying that maybe I can buy someone's used vehicle that they just, you know, that they're probably just going to trade in. That you know is still so much better than what I have right now. And it's like the person who was excited about, you know, what the Lord provided for him now has to fill that. You know, oh. Maybe I should you know, give my other vehicle to this you know, poor person. And it's like they got to steal everybody's joy. You know, I want to thank the Lord. You know, we're going to have a baby. And right after that, pray that I can have a baby someday. <laughs> they start singing the barren mother song. My sisters remind me about that song. The other day. Have you ever heard the song I Am a Barren Mother? I think it's called or something like that. most depressing song I've ever heard in my life. I looked it up on YouTube. found it was like Stephen Annie Chapman and it was about this woman singing about being a barren mother. And I was just like, who writes a song like that? And, you know, it was just like, yeah, it, it, was, it was bad. I'm not going to sing it for you. But it's like, you know, let people have their fun. Let people have their blessings. If somebody else, when somebody, it, 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 it's amazing how there's some people, you tell them about any good thing that happens in their life, And that's their cue to tell about some bad thing that happened in their life. You know? And that's selfish. You know, rejoice with that person. If that guy comes along, hey, I finally found a woman. You know? That's not your time to go up to him and say, I wish I could find. No, be happy for him. all right? Be happy for them. You know, let them, you know, rejoice with them. Stop just thinking about yourself. And it is—it's—it's just amazing how some people they want to just carry their bad week into church with them. They want to make sure everybody can share in their bad week. And I understand we want to bear one another's burdens, but you know, you—you can get people are getting way too self-centered with some of these things. You know, we're all going to have bad days, but we don't need to make sure everyone's miserable with us. If you go and you and you see people rejoicing and talking about some good thing, that is not your time to go and just throw a damper on it. Let it rejoice, you know. Let the news, you know, stall for a few days. All right. And some of you might have saw this, you know, recently. I posted some pictures online where uh, when we were out in Oregon, you know, just some beautiful places we were at, and you know, just showing, hey, this you know, this is beautiful. And then somebody got on there. And left a comment talking about how it was like hurting their heart seeing these because they were supposed to move out there and then they got divorced and then I mean they're practically singing a country music song and it was just like how painful it was to see these things and I'm just like man you know a part of me is like man I'm I'm sorry I'm sharing this joy (laughs) you know but then a part of me is like. You know, how was I supposed to know? You know how was I supposed to know that this horrible tragedy happened in your life that you know is centered around this place in the world? So now it's like nobody's allowed to post anything about that online. You know how selfish is that? You no, know, it'd be one thing. All right? It'd be one. It would be one thing if it was the opposite. All right, and somebody during prayer request, you know, raises their hand and says, "Pray for me. I just got fired from my job." I don't know what the Lord is trying to tell me. I just got fired, and then we are immediately afterwards, I just like to do a praise and say, "I just got promoted at my job. I just got a you know, you know, you can kind of do that in the opposite way too. Don't don't be that way, you know. Be, uh, you know, be sensitive about stuff like that. We're not talking about those people that just have to rub everything in, but, uh, you know, we're we're talking about the black hole people that just want to suck all the fun out. Don't do that, okay? You know and some people they do, they always want to be the victim. They've always got to be going through the biggest tragedy. They've always got to be having the hardest time. Anytime a good thing happens to somebody else, that is their opportunity to talk about how they've never had that good thing. Don't do that. You need to shut up about it. Let people enjoy themselves. Let them have their fun. You can't be self-centered like that. That is a very self-centered attitude. Judas Iscariot, when he was thinking about the poor, he was not thinking about the poor. He was thinking about himself. That was his problem. He was a greedy man thinking about himself. And whenever you are trying to put a damper on somebody else's fun because some good thing's happening in their life, it's not because you're thinking of poor people in Africa. You're not, you think, it's not because you're thinking of starving kids in China. It's you, because you are jealous of the fact that something good is happening to them and it's not happening to you. That is a bad attitude and that shows a very evil heart. We as Christians, we should bring more joy into a room. When we come to a church service, it ought to be a better service because we're there. Anywhere we go, it ought to be better. It ought to be a better day at work because you are there. Because you are present. Wherever we're at, it ought to improve things. And wherever we're not at, it ought to be a disappointment. And unfortunately, that's not the case. What's supposed to be bringing light, what's supposed to be bringing joy and goodness and all the things that Christians are supposed to bring, it's often the opposite of... From people who claim to be Christians, and they often are right in churches, sitting in churches every week, making everyone else miserable. Turn over to Romans chapter fourteen, verse ten. Another example of a black hole Christian it's someone who always has to make sure that everyone is aware of their disapproval of everything. And some people disapprove of everything. It's like, you know, and this is this is another way that we just kind of virtue signal. Of another way we try to express our spirituality is just by letting everyone know how much more strict we are than they are. Letting everyone know how we disapprove of everything that everyone else approves of. It says in Romans 14, verse 10, "...but why dost thou judge thy brother? Or why dost thou set it not thy brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. For it is written, as I live, saith the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall confess to God. So then every one of us shall give account of himself to God "...let us not therefore judge one another any more, but judge this rather, that no man put a stumbling block or an occasion to fall in his brother's way." This passage here is talking about how all of us as an individual are going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Every one of you in here, just think about this. Anytime you see somebody in the church doing something that you do not approve of, understand they will stand before God as a result of that. But you know who they're not going to stand before? You. And you know what? Because of that, you don't need to worry about being the judge in that situation. You don't need to worry about being the one to let everyone know where they're wrong in every little area. Nobody asked you. Nobody wants your opinion. But yet, you've got people out there. They've always got to let everybody know what they disapprove of. You know? Nobody nobody has elected anyone in here to be the clothing police in the church but yet you know there's always that person that wants to let everybody know what they're wearing you know that skirt's a little too short it's a little too tight it's whatever you know and they've got to make sure everybody knows that they disapprove there's always that person in the church that's got to you know wants to disapprove of maybe the song that was sang or the sermon that was preached or whatever's being done, they've always got to be the one to let everybody know what was done wrong. Oh, whoever cleaned the church, they missed this spot. You know, They probably should be doing this. I mean, you know what everybody ought to be doing. And you're always ready to just tell everybody what they ought to be doing. And it's all things, though, that are in reality absolutely none of your business. But yet, you come into church and you bring this attitude with you, just always critiquing everybody. It's like you're making a list. Alright, who all was friendly today? You know, who all went soul winning today? Who all was singing? Who all was looking around during the prayer? You know, I mean, it's like we, we're, we've got like a whole list of things we're just, you know, ready to just pounce at everybody for. And there, I, I swear, in some, and I don't think anybody in a church anywhere has an actual book anywhere where they've kept track of everybody's faults. Okay? I don't think anybody's dumb enough to keep a book like that. But let me tell you, some people have a brain that's got a book in there and they remember every transgression of everyone in the church. And boy, they're keeping track of everybody. I mean, they know every little thing that that person's ever done wrong in the church. And the first time you say anything crossways to them, they are ready to open that book and to read you your list of violations that you have committed it's like man i had no idea i was that evil all right? and some of the husbands are thinking man my wife has one of those books on me in her head all right you know man she's got dates of all, everything i've ever done wrong i mean she's got a transcript of the conversation I, you, know, I, you said and these people a lot of times are women in the church okay guys we're bad at details okay we don't we don't remember those we don't remember those things very well that's why you know we tend to lose those arguments you know because they can say you know march 4th 3:07 you know, p.m. on a Tuesday. You know, here's what was said. I said this. You said this. This this. And you're like, I didn't say that. I was <laughs> like, how, how do you win that argument? Okay, I mean, they, they've just got they've got all that evidence, and, and and you've got you've got nothing. You know, when was the last time you bought me flowers? I don't know. And then what do they do? They pull out a receipt. Here it is. <laughs> you no, know, here, here's the bank statement. And I was like. You can't win those arguments. Okay, let me tell you something. Those people are in churches today, and they're all they're 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 ready. They're waiting. They know everything wrong you've ever done, and if you ever dare, you know, do anything to cross in any way, they're going to bring out a whole list of things you all done. And the truth is, why are they even? Why do they even think about it? Why do they even care about it? Why are they even keeping track of these things? We're all going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ. So why do we need to even be a judge in that situation? We have not been called to judge that situation. There are some things we have been called to judge as Christians. Okay? Obviously, you know, we don't believe judge not means we never can judge anything. There are some things we're supposed to judge, but there are some things it's not our place to judge, yet that's what many people specialize in. And they use it to just bring everyone down, to make everyone miserable, and that is wrong. Those who always need to express their disapproval... They, it's like they think the whole world is as focused on their opinions as they are, and you know, I mean, as, as a pastor, sometimes you know, people expect me, you know, to have opinions on, on certain things. But there's been a lot of situations too, where stuff's going on, controversy's going on, maybe with you know churches we fellowship with and stuff. And it's like everybody wants to know my opinion. And I was like, you know what? I'm not going to put my opinion out there. This is something uh, I I use this I use this phrase a lot with people when they want me to judge things that are outside of our church, I say all the time, I am opting out of judging in this situation. I, I refuse to make a judgment. Why? It's not my place. Nobody in that church has asked me to be a judge. I have not received any official appointment to be a judge. And you, some random idiot that just wants to know my opinion, so you can you want it out there just to extend the drama, I opt out. You're not going to get my opinion. I'm going to let you sit around and worry about what it is. And we're allowed to do that. We are allowed in certain situations, if something's going on in somebody else's home in the church, something that you don't necessarily approve of, you don't like what they're watching on television, you don't like how they're dressing, you don't like where they're going, you know that you are allowed to say, this isn't my place. I'm not making a judgment. You're allowed to do that. And not only that, even if you do make a judgment, did you know it's not your responsibility, you know, to put it out there for the whole world to see, make it a public record? It's not it's not your it's not your place to do that. You know, you're allowed to keep it to yourself. You're allowed to just have your opinion and shut up about it. You're allowed to do that and you're not a bad Christian because you did that. In fact, you'd be a better Christian if you did that. You don't always need to let people know that you disapprove. Some people that. they they can They've got to make sure everyone knows. So they they are going to be very public about it. But I need to move on. But look at Matthew chapter six verse sixteen. Matthew six verse sixteen. Someone who's is that black old Christian. I kind of briefly touched on this a little earlier. They're that person. They've always got to make sure everyone knows they're having a bad day. And notice what it says in Matthew six sixteen. Moreover, when ye fast. Be not as the hypocrites. Okay, notice this. Keep this in mind here. Be not as the hypocrites. Okay, let's see what hypocrites do. Okay? Be not as the hypocrites of a sad countenance. For they disfigure their faces, that they may appear unto men to fast. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But thou, when thou fastest, anoint thine head, and wash thy face. That thou appear not unto men to fast, But unto thy father, which is in secret, and thy father which seeth in secret, shall reward thee openly. You know what hypocrites do when hypocrites are fasting? They've got to make sure that that they look like they're fasting. You know, they're going to be doing what a lot of women do today when they're getting their picture taken—they suck their cheeks in to make their faces look smaller. You know, so they look skinnier. That's like a new thing I've been noticing on social media. It looks stupid, all right. But you know, it's like they've got to make themselves look like they're starving to death. It says they disfigure their faces. So they will appear to fast. Bible says they're hypocrites for doing that. But notice what he says here. He said, if you're fasting, do what you can to appear that you're not fasting. You know, wash your face, anoint your head. You say, Well, isn't that being a hypocrite? No, you're just you're, you're not trying to draw attention to yourself. All those things that they're doing to anoint their themselves. So they don't look like they're fasting. They're trying to avoid drawing attention themselves. And I've seen this with people before. It's like, you know, they have a knockdown drag out with their wife on the way to church, and it's like they got to bring it into the church too. We're going to go sit on opposite sides of the auditorium, and you know all that kind of stuff because we don't want to be hypocrites. Yeah, we're fighting. Yeah, we're not getting along, but at least we're not hypocrites about it and acting all lovey-dovey. Well, listen. I'm not telling you to come in holding hands and kissing and stuff like that. But you know, if you have something private going on, it's okay to keep it private. Not everybody needs to know that you're having a hard time right now. It's okay for you to just be polite and let pe- and, and not let people know what's going on. You don't need to bring it into the house of God with you. You don't need to make sure everyone notices. If you want to appear not to be fighting, I don't think you're sinning. Okay, Now, now if you're pretending that you're just still on your honeymoon, then yeah, yeah, that's wrong. But it's okay for you to just do things to not draw attention to yourself. And that's what Jesus is telling them here. When you're fasting... Don't make a big deal about it, alright? If you all are fasting here in the church, that's not your time to come crawling into the church saying, I'm starving to death, but I'm not going to miss church, you know? <laughs> you know don't, no, don't do that. okay? If it's that bad, you know, you, that you're literally crawling, you might want to just stay home, okay? You're sick, okay? You're, you're, you're too sick to be coming to church when you have to crawl into the church. And I've seen that before, too. People, when they come to church are having a back pain or something like that and are literally laying on the platform. Literally laying on the platform after church, rolling around in agony. I'm not lying. You can ask my wife about that after service. One another time, a lady literally outside the church. Okay, now now why would you do that on the platform? Okay, so everybody can see. All right, that, that's why. Okay, now another, now another time after service goes, everybody goes out this, this one entrance. You know, so it'd be like going out here. It wasn't here. And the late, she's literally on the ground just laying out. And I I can't, I got to be careful. I can't say give too many details about these things, you know, personal stuff and everything. But I mean, was put on a show. Cuz so she had this medical condition that she was diagnosed by a veterinarian with. I'm not lying. <laughs> Folks all kinds come through churches. Let me tell you. All kinds. It's like everyone... Man, if you're that bad, it's time to go home. Why would you sit out right by the main entrance? Why not like that? If I'm sick, I want to go home, I want to get in my bed, and I want to hide under the covers. And I don't want anybody to see me. But some people, they want to make sure everybody sees it. And so, yeah, they're going to come to church when they're sick that day. They'll throw up all over the auditorium if they have to. I'm not missing church even though I'm sick. You know, but so and so, he's not here because he had a hangnail today, but I'm gonna hear I'm gonna vomit all over the backs of the people sitting in front of me. Okay? You're not a good Christian when you do that. You know what you do? You make everyone miserable. And you do make everyone miserable when you're vomiting all over everybody. That's just that's just a bad thing to do. Don't don't do that. We don't ever not everybody needs to know you're having a bad day. It's not being a hypocrite, it's being polite. But listen, we could go on and on with different ways people suck the joy out of the room. But I think you get the point. I think you get the point. I give a lot. I can tell you so many funny stories. I can give you a lot of examples of these people. You know, they're the Debbie Downers. The you know, we know all the, we know all the names of these people. But we as Christians, we're supposed to spread light and joy. Just like that eye, is what's supposed to give light to the whole body. We you know, and it's bad if that light is not doing that. It's doing opposite. When we as God's people, who are supposed to be spreading light to the world, who are supposed to be spreading joy and good things, when we're doing the opposite, we've got a big problem. That is a bad, bad thing. We cannot let that happen. And so when we go soul, we're supposed to be spreading the good news, yet some people figured out how to make a bad news. Great comfort. You know? What does he do? He just goes out and makes everybody feel bad. You know, that's not the way that's not that's not spreading good news. And the Bible says Let nothing be done through strife or vain glory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. We're supposed to be thinking about others when we come to church all the time. And some harsh truths, All right, I'm going to get this out and I'm done. We live in a world that is void of love, kindness, and people are desiring it more than ever. It's hard to find good friendships. It's hard to find those who are spreading joy. And the truth is, if you don't have friends, it's nobody's fault but yourself. It's because you are that person that sucks the joy out of the room. That, that, that's, that's what you do. You know, maybe nobody's calling you because you never help them. You know, you're always the one calling and asking for help. You're always the one you know, that's just making everything about you. Some people, you don't even want to tell them your good news. Because they will turn it around and make you feel bad about it. Except if you never get invited to anything, maybe it's because you don't make the event better with your presence. They're trying to have a party, not a funeral. So they're not going to invite you because you're, you're going to bring everybody down. Well, a man that hath friends must show himself friendly. And in a world where people want friends, they want love more than ever, then it... If you are a loving, friendly person, you ought to be more popular than ever. Yet a lot of people are sitting around today wondering why they're lonely and miserable. Hopefully this will help you. This may be part of the problem. And we, don't need, to be, we need to be light spreaders. We, not, we, we don't want to be black holes. If somebody wants to explain what a black hole, how that works to me after the service, it will probably go over my head. But I think you all get the point. Uh, with that. So don't be that way as Christians. So let's pray. Dear Lord, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you for uh, all the good things that you give us. Lord, help us to be light spreaders. Lord, help us not to uh, go around ruining joy, but help us to be spreading joy. Help us to uh, be positive influence in our society. Help us to be the kind of people that others want to be around uh, because we promote good. And I just pray you'll uh, just uh, bless everyone as they go their separate ways this week and help us to just take these things we learn And put them into practice in our life. In your name we pray. Amen. Let's go.